If you flip there, and I, I think this is really important to see. The Apostle Peter writing says in verse 2, he says, As newborn babes long for the spiritual milk. This is American Standard. King James says sincere milk. But spiritual milk, which is without guile, that you may grow thereby unto salvation. If you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, unto whom coming a living stone rejected indeed of men, but with God elect precious, ye also as living stones are built up a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Because it is contained in the Scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be put to shame. For you are therefore for you therefore that believe is the preciousness, but for such as disbelieve the stone which the builders rejected, the same was made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. For they stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you are an elect race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Listen to that. A people for God's own possession. How many people think that? How many people consider that you're a people for God's own possession? Now, once you really get a hold of something here, and it goes on that you may show forth the excellence of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, that you're His possession to show forth the excellence. But, but I want you to to hear something here. As newborn babes. So, so, and we dealt with that last week. We dealt with being a babe. That how do we become a babe in Christ? We dealt with the Scripture where the, where the Lord brought a child into His midst and said, Suffer little children to come unto Me, for such is the kingdom of God. In the book of Matthew, I think we read it in Matthew, maybe Mark also. And last week, what was the Lord saying? Was He just saying that the little children, and I told you last week, I have no problem with that, with the natural little children, I have no issue with that. But I think He was saying much more than that. He was saying, unless you become a little child, a newborn babe, you know really what He said in John 3, unless you be born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. And when you're born again, you're babe. You don't understand everything that happens. So when you come to God, you don't under you you come to God, and that's that's kind of what Peter brings forth, that you have tasted that the Lord is good. That's what he's really bringing forth, and how you tasted the Lord is you believe the Lord. You believe his word. That's how we taste of the Lord. So we believed His Word, and through His Word He quickened us. He made us alive. We were birthed anew. But as we were birthed anew, He said to be to eat the sincere milk of the Word. So not to just come in 
And, and the reason I bring that out is, is a lot of the teachings we may sit under may not be the sincere milk of the Word. They may come from the imagination of the heart. Okay? Not saying that the brother or sister teaching isn't born again. They may in fact be born again. But I, but I wanted to illustrate last week that you can be a babe, be a child, and yet be carnal in understanding. And that's in the book of Corinthians. I, I, if somebody knows exactly where it's at, get it for me. 1 Corinthians 3. Brother Stanley knows exactly where it's at. And Paul, and that's it, 3.1. So look, look at this real close. Paul's talking to believers. He's not talking to non-believers. Get a hold of this. He's speaking to the church. And he says, and I, brethren. What, what does he call them? Brethren. He didn't say, I sin, and I, sinners. He says, I, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with meat, for you were not yet able to bear it. Nay, not even now are you able. So he's coming back and he's kind of chastising them. You, you know, he, he is. He's, he's, he's correcting them, bringing some chastising. See, because the Lord chastises those in whom He loves. He brings correction. He brings correction in His Word. See? See, He chastises the heart. And what He's saying to them is, I can't feed you spiritual meat because you're a child. Because as a child, you walk as men. He goes on to say here, for when once, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you jealousy and strife, are you not carnal, and do you not walk after the manner of men? For when one saith, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not of men? What then is Apollos, and what is Paul, ministers through whom you believe, and each as the Lord gave him? I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, but each shall receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are God's fellow workers, ye are God's husbandry, God's building. So I'll stop right there for now. But as I set this forth, what Paul said here is very much like what you see in the church today as a whole. One says, I'm Baptist. You know, I'm Apollos. I'm of Apollos. One says, well, I'm a Baptist. One says, I'm a Pentecostal. One says, I'm an Apostolic. One says, I'm a whatever. You know, Presbyterian. What does he say to them? He says, who is Paul? Who is Paul? He says, you, you, you're, you're carnal. You're natural. What do you say to him? You're natural in your thinking. You've not been a spouse to Pentecostal. Most of us in this room probably come from some form of Pentecostal. A lot of us. 
or Baptist. Those are probably two of the predominant groups here. Predominant. I'm saying there's not others. I know Dave, you're, you grew up in another. But not saying there's not others. But most of us predominantly came through these associations and as Pentecostal or Baptist. What Paul is saying is I've not espoused you to be in a Pentecostal or a Baptist. I've espoused you to Christ. I've brought you to the knowledge of the Lord. And see, see, we want to hold on a lot of times to our Pentecostal roots. I've been there. I probably still have some of them in my heart that I want to hold to. But see, some of those things in our heart, like, and I'm going to pick on this saying, we're going to walk on streets of pure gold. That's the imagination of someone's heart of what this scripture said. I'm just going to be blunt with it. Sometimes I'm not this blunt, but this morning I'm going to be blunt with it. We have built that one scripture We've taken one scripture that, that actually says in the midst of the city there is a street of pure gold. But we have taken that one scripture and we've built a doctrine out of what we think it means. And we walk on that doctrine. And see, the problem with this, and you say, well, well wait that's what I believe. Here's the problem with this. See, there's a problem with this. It doesn't fill you up in the knowledge of Christ. It doesn't fulfill your soul. So at some point you come to the place and your soul is just not filled. You're still a child. Or you're not, I can use the word grow. You're not growing in the Lord. And that's what Peter told them to, to, to give them the sincere or spiritual milk of the Word that they may grow. In other words, you're not going to grow into where God wants you to grow without the sincere milk of the Word. So we can, so we can sit our whole Christian life and be a babe and never come to maturity in the Lord. And that's what the word son denotes in the Bible. The Bible really deals with stages of growth. And the one stage is a babe. And a babe is, is fine because you've been birthed. You have to be birthed to enter into the kingdom of God. You know, we went through that, around that last week. And I'll try to get on over into some scripture, but I'm just going to move with the flow of the Lord right now. So we enter into God as a child, as a babe. You're birth. You're birth, birth one. Unless you be born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. See, see, hear this real close. I said this last week. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. See, and this goes right along with what Jesus said, neither shall they say, lo here or lo there. Because the kingdom of God does not come with your natural observation. And see, that's where, where many of God's people are still walking. They're looking for the natural kingdom of God to come. How many think that way? Right? How many people do you deal with that think that way? 
that someday the kingdom of God is going to appear. Well, listen to what Jesus said. Unless you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So if I just hear what He said, I should understand that by the new birth, I can see the kingdom of God. That only by the new birth can I even see it. So I can't see it because I'm a natural man. I can't. But see, that's what that's the concept religion has, has taught us because it comes from imaginations of our heart. Not by teaching of the Spirit. And when I come to the teaching of the Spirit, I come to truth. Not that I not that I have all the truth, but the Spirit does. See, the Spirit shows truth. And the Spirit will bear witness with truth. And the Spirit will challenge you with truth. He'll challenge your pet doctrines. He'll challenge your pet beliefs. And He'll bring you into an encounter where you say, God, is what I'm believing right or wrong? But when you come to that encounter, you have to be willing to give it to Him. See, if you're not willing to give it to Him, you, you, you'll have that encounter with the Lord. I remember a, a beloved family member that I hold dearly, and I, and I know he was a servant of the Lord, and believe he lives in the Lord. In fact, I, I, I can be as bold as saying I know that. He was the Lord. And he heard me years ago preaching on the kingdom message, what was called the kingdom message. And he said to me, I heard that years ago. Now, now I was a very young man then, and he was an elderly man. And he took me back to years ago that there were people in his midst preaching the kingdom of God is within you. Like some people think this is this new doctrine that has come out. So, so, and, and, he, and he was in, you know, and, and it was hard... It's always hard to move because in the family of a family of preachers, I come from a family of preachers, not my direct family, but on my mother's side, there's a family of ministers that grew up in ministry and traced back to my uh, great-grandfather. He was, from, ev- from everything I know about him, he worked in miracles, signs, and wonders, and they worked in him, from what I know, that, that, that the gifts of healing flowed through him. And he was a old-time Pentecostal preacher, and he had some truth of God. So I'm try- not trying to negate because the gifts of the Spirit are true. They're real. I'm not trying to negate that. But what happens sometimes when we come to an encounter with the Lord that is real, we can stop there and say, well, this man must have it all because God worked for him. And that's a dangerous ground to walk on. God works in lots of men. Lots of men. But what He's after is for you to be the praise of His glory. He's after more than just healing your body. And I believe God in healing body. But salvation is more than a healed body. Salvation is much more than that. It is God dwelling in you 
you and you dwelling in God so much that you come to the praise of His glory. That your life is a praise to Him. That's what salvation is. And how I get to that place to even see that is through the sincere Word of God. Because until I get hit, kind of hit in the head with the Word of God, I'll think that salvation is just being good till I die or Jesus comes and I get to heaven. And that's what I'll manifest. That's because that's all I know. So I won't manifest more than I know. I won't be able to to share more than what I've received of the Lord. So, so maybe all I've really received of the Lord is I've been born again or filled with His Spirit. And I can share that. But then a lot of other things I'll share will just come from doctrines and teachings and philosophies and not necessarily be by the Spirit of God. So He brought you to be taught of Him. And the reason we're taught, Peter says it wonderfully to grow thereby. So if I'm not... And what does Peter bring right into view? He brings right into view that Christ is a stone, the chief cornerstone. So, so what, it, what hit me, Brother Calvin, is that we think this, this understanding of the house of God is a deep revelation. You know that you're God's house. Well, this is deep revelation. That God ain't after building the temple in the middle of it. According to Peter, if I understand Peter right, that's the sincere milk of the Word. That's for the babe. That's, that's for the babe to understand that they're God's house, that they're a, built a spiritual stone, built up for a habitation of God. But how many of God's people out here today, you know, they'll read that very Scripture and they'll go right on over their head and move on. And, and they'll hardly communicate on it because, because they're looking for God to build a building in the, in the building. I, I, I'll give you an example of why I'm here. I'm here so, so be it, Lord. So we'll just go with it. Roll with it. One minute, somebody will say, well, the Lord's getting ready to come any minute. He can split the eastern sky. The next minute, well, they're going to build a temple in Jerusalem. And that man of sin is going to come to that temple and all these things are going to happen. Well, are they going to build a temple in Jerusalem or is the Lord going to split the eastern sky? Which one is it? I mean, I mean, it's time that you ask yourself, which one is it? Or better yet, ask the Lord, which one is it? Are they, Lord, going to build another temple in Jerusalem? Do you, Lord, have any desire to go to a building in Jerusalem? The answer is yes, if you understand the right Jerusalem. But not the Jerusalem in the Middle East. See, I didn't know how I'd get back to my message. Well, the Lord always gets me there. And He brings me right back to where really where I'm going. So we, we went on last week and we were in Galatians chapter 4, and I'll read that first. 
Galatians chapter 4. And I love that again because Paul brings it right in again. My little children, verse 19. Look at that. My little children. My Lord, what is it called? My little children. Of whom I am in travail until Christ be formed in you. Galatians 4 19. And listen listen to what he says, but I, I could wish to be present with you now and to change my tone. So Paul was, and he tells them why, he says, I'm perplexed about you. I'm concerned. So Paul was concerned with them. And he, and he tells them why. He doesn't just tell them I'm concerned with you. He, say, he tells them why. Tell me ye that desire to be under the law. Here's why he's concerned. Because they had begun in the Spirit. And that's what he told them in another place. You've begun in the Spirit. And now you've tried to be made perfect by the flesh. So he recognizes them as children, again, children of God. But because of natural mindedness, what do they do? They revert back to Judaism, to, to the law of Moses, and they try to become perfect by the flesh. And he says, I'm concerned, I'm perplexed. He says, tell me you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a handmaid and one by a free woman. Have you ever heard that? A handmaid, the handmaiden was bound to Sarah and Abraham. She was their servant. Some, script, some translations say slave. Now I'm going to use servant. But she was the servant to Abraham and Sarah. And one was a free woman, which was Sarah. Speaking of Sarah, how be it? The son by the handmaid is born after the flesh, but the son of the free woman is born through promise. Which things contain an allegory. For these women are two covenants. So what do the women represent? Two covenants. One covenant is the flesh, the law. And one's the spirit. Now this is Galatians 4, 24. So two covenants, one from Mount Sinai. Now what came from Mount Sinai? The law. Bearing children in the body. Which means everyone born in that covenant was bound to the law. To the works of the law. And then he goes on and he says the other covenant is by the free woman. Well, well, let me finish this. Bearing children under bondage, which is Hagar. Now this Hagar is Mount Sinai and Arabia and answers to Jerusalem. What does it answer to? Jerusalem that now is. For she is in bondage with her children. So, so, and, and I think in Paul's days that had even more significance than probably significance than, than, than we understand. Because right then, when you hear, you've ever heard the teaching of AD 70 when the Romans destroyed 
to Jerusalem that now is. Paul says Jerusalem that now is and is embodied. That the people that are bound to the law, that are bound to this covenant, they're embodied. They're of Hagar. They're of the flesh. They're of Sinai. And he gives you this representation. And then he comes down and he says, but the Jerusalem that is above. Now what does he mean above? The heavenly Jerusalem, which is our mother. Wow. I think we could do ourselves some good if we just stayed there and figured that out. Jerusalem that is above is our mother. What that means is two covenants. You're either born in the covenant of flesh, when you're speaking of, of religion, or you're born in the covenant of spirit. So you're birthed unto God, not by the covenant of the flesh, but you're birthed unto God by the covenant of the Spirit. See, so you must be born again. And I, and I said either last week or a few weeks back, that word again means new, means above, means heavenly. That which is born of flesh is what? Jesus said, flesh. That which is born of spirit is what? Spirit. Now let's stop here for a moment. I'm just going to slow down and kind of... I'm kidding when I say this, but I'm going to give you one. Anyway, I'm kidding, but I want to get your attention. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That's pretty simple to understand. In one sense, that's just speaking of the natural flesh. In one sense. In another sense, it could be speaking of the same thing right here that Paul's talking about, the covenant of flesh, the covenant from sight. So it could be speaking of that. Now moving on, that which is born of spirit is spirit. Born of spirit is spirit. Born of spirit is spirit. Who's the spirit? God is a spirit. Now I want to ask you this. Said this before. What's greater? God or heaven? In our minds, because the way we've been conditioned in, in religion, do we think about a lot of the songs we sung, and I know I'm picking on them, and I don't, I don't do this a lot, but I am today. I want to make heaven my home, or even the same. Build my mansion next door to Jesus. All, all these songs we sung about heaven. And how little emphasis, a lot of times, there is in these songs in knowing the law. Once you consider that, that in a lot of these songs we've been 
give great emphasis to what we call heaven, but we don't give a lot of emphasis to knowing the Lord. Now, you've been born of spirit. You've been born in a new covenant. You've been born of his spirit that you might know him. See, because the old man, the natural man, the one born of flesh, couldn't know God. So he, he, was, he had an inability to know the Lord. That's why Jesus said you must be born of spirit to see and enter the kingdom of God. Unless you be born of the water and spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. I, I can't get beyond this this morning, so, so it's necessary. So if I'm going to come into the kingdom of God, I've got to come through Jesus' works. Right? And, and most, most Christians believe that. I'm the way, the truth, and life. When His Word says, be born of spirit, born of water and spirit, enter the kingdom of God. Whether that deals with water baptism or not, I'm leaving that alone. Because there's also the washing of the water and the Word. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you to run away from that. I would. Because the early apostles did that. But for, for this morning, I'm going to leave it alone. Let the Lord deal with your heart. So, as we hear the Lord and receive the Lord, we become obedient with His work. We taste and see that the Lord is good. We taste His work as we receive it. We taste it. And then we're nourished by it to grow up into Him. So our whole Christian journey is a comprehending and knowing of the Lord, a, a realizing of God our Savior, right? a reality of His presence. That's what our whole Christian journey should be. I wasn't, and, and one more time on this, Paul didn't, didn't say that I make heaven my home in Philippians. That wasn't his cry. His cry was that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection. That was the cry of the apostle's heart. And I, and I guess the reason I'm, I'm picking this up is in my heart, for many years, I would stand in testimony services. And I have them playing in the back of my heart, as I'm even saying this to you, in the back of my mind. When I was in Pentecost, I'd stand and, and I could hear a lady speaking, and I can't put my finger on her name or maybe don't even remember her name, of the block church that I used to go to. That's what they called the, the building there, the block church. I guess it was built a cinder block. It looked like bricks then. That's just the way really when I was born, but maybe initially it was the blocks, or maybe they come from block, or maybe they were calling the cinder blocks the block church, but in my mind I, I, I think of big cement blocks. But nonetheless, people would stand up in the midst and tell you all the things, maybe, maybe God delivered them from this or God delivered them from that, and the next thing is I want to make heaven my home. The confession wouldn't be, I want to know your Lord in your fullness. The confession would be, I want to make heaven my home. And so people were conditioned throughout the building that the prize was heaven. 
that was the prize. The gift, the heaven. But that was a false prize. Right. I'll let that part off. I, I know. But that's what the song says. That, but, but I'll let that off for the time being. But Paul's prize was to know him. Paul's whole ministry was to bring a people, and that's what Paul was dealing with there in Corinthians, was a people that were, were children. And maybe, maybe this is how they were children. Maybe they were singing these songs. I don't know. I don't think so, but they were going around saying, I'm a Paul, I'm a Paulist, I'm a Pentecostal, I'm a Baptist. Same, the same ideology. I believe it this way and you believe it that way. And Paul comes in and says, wait a minute. Have I spoused you to, to Paul? You know, one place, were you baptized in the name of Paul? He was upset. He said, no, you're a spouse to Christ. I come among you to minister Jesus Christ and He'll crucify. That's what He was saying to them. That you might know Him. That your heart... And see, see maybe the Lord has this, because we're going to move on. And, and I, I share with Brother Sam some things the Lord was dealing with me about the, the color of, colors of the walls, the red lights. What was dealing with me about them. And I was looking at him. And so we're going to move on in, in, in a deeper look at some of these scriptures, like I told you we were going to do, as time comes on. But maybe the Lord is just catching our minds up for a moment. Why are you saved? What was the purpose of salvation? Just to get out of sin? Into, into heaven. See, see that, that folks, for so long, it's been the idea that I don't go to hell, that I make it to heaven. You were saved to be God's possession. That's what Peter says. A possession of the Lord. Do you know how many Scriptures there are in the Old Testament that will tell you Israel was His possession? That he possessed a people for himself to be his people. I'll be your God and you'll be my people. So, so when we come to the basics of Christianity, he's our God. We're his people. He really is. He's our God. If you've been born again, you've been born of him. So you got born of God. So that's how God's your father. That's this idea that God's every man's father. He created every man. But how he become your father is being born again. I have great issue with this idea that's out here. And I have issue because you deceived the body of Christ. Because it takes emphasis off when the needle was singing that song, Amazing Grace. It just jumped up in my spirit. There's no amazing grace without the shed blood of Jesus. That the amazing grace comes through the shed blood of Jesus. That He shed His blood. And when we come to a grace that takes away the shedding of the blood of Christ, that's not amazing. That leaves flesh. 
That leaves carnality. That leaves the natural man. So it is amazing that He bled and died. It's amazing. But the but He purchased, but the reason He bled and died was to purchase a people for Himself. He purchased you with His own blood. In fact, in fact, in the book of Acts, it says that God purchased you with His own blood. I don't know where that exact Scripture is, but He says that. He purchased you. So God purchased you. He bought you. He redeemed you. So those words ransom, redeem, purchase, is speaking of a price that was paid. And the price that was paid for you was the blood shed on Calvary of the Lord Jesus Christ that He purchased you. You're a purchased possession. So if I'm a purchased possession, I'm not purchased to be my own self and believe my own way. See, that's the part that, that, that may not have hit our mind. God purchased you. You come. You, you know, we come, like, like, like I said, we come as newborn babes. He convicts our heart that we're a sinner. How many ever had their heart convicted that they're a sinner? I did. I did when I was lost. I was convicted of the Holy Ghost. And I come to Him and receive Him. And from the receiving of Him, I was redeemed. But what Paul began to teach you is you weren't redeemed to live unto yourself. See? See, you were redeemed to live unto Him. To be a living stone of the Lord. A stone in His building. Can't we see that's greater than that, that you are the building of God? To be filled with all wisdom and knowledge of the Lord? So you don't have to wait till you physically die to attain this is the reality. You can begin. I'm not saying when you physically die you want to attain more of it. I'm not even telling you that. But you can attain it right here, right now. That's the shocking part. Because that shocks people. What do you mean, Brother Wayne, I can attain it now? Well, we've read this uh, over and over again, Hebrews 12, and then we're going to turn to Isaiah 65, and I'll, I'll touch some of these things. Isaiah, Hebrews 12. Flip there. Verse, I believe, 21 is what I believe I want, but flip to Hebrews 12, and I'll get there with you in just a moment, so you might beat me there this time, because evidently I closed my Bible on my computer. So, 
So when you come to Hebrews 12, it, you come to Mount Zion. You come. And I can't stress this enough. You have come that the writer doesn't say you're coming, you're marching, you're going to get to Mount Zion. But he says, for you, you've come. But you're come. You've come there. You've come to Mount Zion. And he says, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So it blows all kinds of ideas out of the water just reading, just reading the Scripture. I don't even have to expound on it. I can blow ideas out of the water by just reading it. See, what I can do then is do one two things. I, I can say, well, it doesn't mean that. Well, then what does it mean? You come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, because of what the city is. The heavenly is the same thing Galatians 4 did. Jerusalem that is above. Where's Jerusalem at? Above is free. Where's the free city at? It's the heavenly. The earthly city, the natural city, is in bondage. The heavenly city is free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, Paul wrote their flock. Liberty. Freedom. So Jerusalem that is above is the mother of us all. So we're birthed by the Spirit. We're birthed free from the law of sin and death. To live in His life. So we come to Mount Zion, and, and like I said, you've got to get in a study of Mount Zion to have any understanding what that means. Now, now if, I, if I read, I've come to Mount Zion, and, and unfortunately we can't say much about it because we probably not went into a depth of the study of Mount Zion. See, see, Mount Zion was the place that David brought the ark. And do I go back and read that, you know, I, I just say, well, I've come to Mount Zion, the, the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. And I can jump up and down about it, and that's great, and we should. But if we go in and start reading about Zion, then we come to a clearer picture of what the writer is saying. You come to God's rest. You come to the place that God chose to dwell. So let's flip back to the psalm. Psalms 132. I believe it's what I want. If not, we'll get to it, but I believe that's it. So I go back to the psalms. And if I read that whole psalm, you'll, you'll, if you read the whole psalm, you'll see David, it was in David's heart, that he would find a place of rest for the... Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, for the presence of the Lord, because that Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. In verse 4, for example, he said, I will not give sleep to mine eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find out, out a place for Jehovah, a tabernacle for the Mighty One of Jacob. And then, and, and man, I could preach that Mighty One of Jacob. He's the mighty one of, of Jacob? How did, how did Jehovah become the mighty one of Jacob? You ever, you ever got a hold of some of the things the Lord says? Huh? Yeah. 
You, you got to get a hold of what the Lord says. Now, 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 listen, listen. Start about verse ten here, one thirty-two, verse ten. He says, "For thy servants, for thy servants, David's sake, turn not away the face of thine anointing. Jehovah has sworn unto David in truth; he will not turn from it." So, how many's ever read? There's no shadow of turning in the Lord. So he, so he's not going to turn from what he swore. Now, what did he swear? Of the fruit of thy body, listen to what he said. Will I? Who? Will I set upon thy throne? Now, now notice what I said before. He's the mighty one of Jacob. Now he's saying of the fruit. Of thy body, David, I'm going to sit upon your throne. How, how's God going to come through David? Now, this is Jehovah God. Right? This is Jehovah God. Saying, I'm going to sit upon your throne, David. Get a hold of that for a minute. Let that sink in and play with your mind. Does that play with your mind? Because how does Jehovah God sit up on David's throne? Anyway, let's, let's just move on and I'll just let that play with your mind and we'll move on. If thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them, verse 12, their children also shall, shall sit upon thy throne. Not only am I going to sit upon it, their children's going to. Forevermore. You ever read you're seated together with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? Anyway, for Jehovah hath chosen Zion... He hath desired it for His habitation. So, when I flip over and read Hebrews 12 and says, I've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, and then I flip back and read Psalms, He he says, Jehovah desired Zion. For what? For His habitation. This is my rest forever. In other words, when I establish Zion, I, it's done. This is my resting place forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired. Now, how does he get all this done, folks? You come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So there's a whole lot more to Mount Zion, and here when he references Mount Zion, he says, here I'm going to sit up on David's throne. Of the fruit of your, of you, David, of your seed, I'm going to come and sit up on your, your, on your throne. Why? Because David's throne was God's throne. David was God's chosen man, his anointed. And that's what people don't understand. Saul represented the man flesh. David represented... God's chosen one, God's seed, God's man. And so God Himself said, I'm going to come, David, and I'm going to sit up on your throne. I'm going to do it. Well, how He was going to do it was what He said through His Word, Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. He told them how He was going to do it in His Word. A virgin's going to conceive. And when the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary, a virgin conceived. I had someone on an airplane sit beside me 
and said, you really believe Mary was a virgin? And I said, oh, yes, I do. I absolutely believe this was the Lord Himself that the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary and what was in her was the very seed of the Most High God, the very seed of Jehovah God Himself coming forth in place. Yes, sir. Just like He said in His Word. That He was going to do everything His Word declared to build His house, to build His habitation. Because God desired to have patience. Yes, sir. But you said, well, God fills up the whole earth. Sure he does. God fills up the whole sky. Sure he does. But he desired a habitation. And we don't hear that. He told Israel over and over, I'm bringing you to my habitation. I'm bringing you to myself. And I'd like to go through all these scriptures, but I'm going to have to just quote some of them because I've went through some time already, or I'd be here an hour and a half, two hours. What 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 happened to... I, I, I said this, and if you go back through some of the CDs, you can get... I, I dealt with heaven and earth. I dealt with the earth in some of the CDs. The earth was represented... That place in, in Canaan represented the earth. See, see and, and I don't know how to say this any plainer, but when God dealt with Abraham, He told Abram, He called him Abram, then it was, his name was Abram, He later changed to Abraham, but He said, Abram, come to the place that I showed thee. So He called him out to the place that He showed him, and, and in the natural, that was pain. But it says, and the Lord appeared unto Abram. So the place he was showing was the appearing of Which, which if you go back there and read it, God appeared to Abram, he came. And you got to read it. He appeared to him, he came. Then he comes along and he appears to Isaac. Yes, Then he comes along and he appears to Jacob. And Jacob says, when God appears to him, he says, what? This is none other than the house of God and the stairway to heaven. Yeah. He said, I, Jehovah is in this place. And I do it not. In other words, I didn't get it. I didn't get how close to God I was. It's what old brother Jacob uh, got a hold of. God's right here. This is his habitation. Canaan land. So Canaan land represented the very presence of the Lord. That He was taking the people out of Egypt, which represented themselves, their flesh, their carnality, their naturalness, their bondage, just everything you want to say. And He was bringing them out from that to Himself. And that's a whole lot of what the Lord's dealing with in heaven and earth. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. He put His footstool down in Jerusalem. Where did He put His footstool at? Jerusalem. He tells you in Ezekiel, somewhere around Ezekiel, this is the place of the soul's my feet. Jerusalem. But see, see, if I don't read my Bible, I don't know that. Then I imagine... This is what I mean by imagine. I, I come up with, here's what Jesus means. 
Right? But if, I, but if I'm taught of the Spirit, if I'm reading the Word and taught of the Spirit, the Lord takes these Scriptures and brings them together and shows a picture. He has a pattern in His Word. So His throne was in Jerusalem. His feet was in Jerusalem. That was the place of His rest in the Old. the old covenant. But he said, that's going to be done away with and I'm going to make, in Isaiah 65, I'm going to make a new heaven and a new earth. So I'm going to make a new dwelling place. Because if you go back there and read it, you'll read heaven's his dwelling place. Heaven's his abode. Heaven's the place he dwells. So if we can hear it, God brought his dwelling place right there into that old covenant tent of meeting and temple of Solomon. Right? Who, who was behind the curtain? Was it the man in the Wizard of Oz? Right? Yeah, I said that to you. Who was behind the curtain? There was a big curtain there. Who was behind it in the temple of Solomon? So they could enter in there, right? They could enter in there. And see, the beauty of, Cain, of, of, of Zion again is David, when he put that ark in the tent in Zion, he didn't take it down to the... I forget where the tabernacle of Moses was. He didn't take it and put it in the tabernacle of Moses. You would have thought David would have put it in the tabernacle of Moses. No, he took it to a whole different tent. See, was speaking of a greater... water of life freely that we can walk in the very presence of the Lord. And see, see that is a new heaven if we can hear it. Because the old one was veiled. They couldn't look into that that was veiled. Well, how do you see into this one by the Spirit? So now you can see because it's not veiled from you. He took the veil away. We read these things in the Scripture. But do we really understand what that means? He took the veil away. There's no separation between you and God. So you have access. Amen. You have access into the law. You have access because God desired to dwell in you. L- listen to Isaiah 66. I'm just going to quote it, and I've quoted it many times. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. We can stop right there, but I'm not going to. Where is the house that you're building? That's the key to what he's saying. Because I made all the earth. 
after the stars, the moon, he'll take you through everything and say, I did. It happened from a big bang. The Lord said he did it. I mean, I mean, Christians try to receive it. Christians, I mean, I'm just saying, Christians try to receive Well, maybe it happened with a big bang. Well, I don't think so. I think the Lord passed it just like he said. So, so here we have, heaven is my throne, the earth is footstool. All these things have my hands made. Where is the house that you built me? So he's looking for a house. And it's in David's heart to build God a house. Notice that. David is a man after God's own heart. And what does David want to do? Build God a house. So David's a man, you get this way, David's a man after God's own heart. He wants to build God a house. Right? So God's heart is a house, a place of habitation, a place of rest. And he says, unto this man will I look. So he was looking to a man to build him a house. What man do you reckon that was? Christ, Hebrews said, Christ had a son over his own house that you are. So there's the man that God was looking toward, and he was coming out of the volume of the book, and he was going to build God a habitation. A place of rest. See that? See that? That that it's it's almost backwards to what we believe. We think it's all about us getting the house. Now, beauty is we're part of that house. See, when we read John 14, in my Father's house, we turn that around and say, "Look, Jesus went to build him a." Does he ever say he went to build him a? Why do you believe? Because people don't just want to right? said, in my Father's house are many mansions. King James. Other translations say many dwelling places, many abodes. The word means an abode, a dwelling place, if you look it up. So in my Father's house are many dwelling places. I go to prepare a place for you. I go to make you the dwelling place of God. I'm going to the cross that He's going to dwell in you. I know I'm being blamed, but that's what He's talking about. I go to prepare a place. Where was He going? See, again, the mind is when He went up into heaven, and you know He was the son of a of a carpenter, so He went up into heaven and He got His hammer and He built His man. Now, I'm being silly to say that. But, but, that's, but that's been false in people's minds. Where he was going was to the cross. Because no man had access to the Father until his what? Blood was shed. So no man had access to the Father's house until he died. But now that he died, and see, this is what Peter called the sincere milk of the Word where we started you are a spiritual house. You are a stone in the building. A living stone. 
my Lord, in the building of God, for the habitation of God. What did we just read? For Jehovah has chosen Zion if he desired it for his habitation. What does, what does Ephesians 2 tell us? That we are the habitation of God by the Spirit? If I put them together and look at them, just lay them down and look at them, God desired a habitation. This is my rest forever. And then the Apostle Paul says, You are His building. You are His habitation. My Lord! That should excite you. So He wants to fill you with all He is. Jesus told them in John 14, said, My Father and I shall come and make our abode. We're at? With you. See, we, 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 we read that first part of John 14. We don't read the end of it. In my Father's house are many mansions, many abodes. And then at the end of it, He says, My Father and I, want, or we want to come and make our mansion, our abode. That's the same word if you look it up. We want to come and make our abode, our dwelling place, with you. You're the abode of God. This is the truth. This is the word. You got people should, should run after the word. They really should. Should, should really get down. And ask the Lord, I ask you to go home and take this and say, is Brother Wayne telling me the truth? I don't mean this wrong, but I challenge you to do that. I challenge you to go and sit before the Lord and ask, is this the truth? And if if the Lord answers, it is. And I'm not telling you run after Brother Wayne. Run after this Word. Because this Word will fill your heart. This Word will wipe away tears. This Word will make you strong. The Word will. He will. It will make you vibrant. It will make you joyful. It will make you believe. It will give you faith. It will give you strength. The Word, all these things you're after, as you begin to eat and feast on this Word and it brings this life in you, it will make you... You feel good. I hope Brother Stanley, and I, I'm just going to throw this out here, and y'all can take that into the book again. And I, and I just set some of this forth, and we'll peel this back a little bit further. We may go through some of the some of these scriptures again. I'm sure we will. We'll have to. But in, in the book of Revelation, you find Revelation 21, we read this last week, you find that him giving a description of that city. And in one place, he talks about the colors of the walls of the city. And he goes through the colors of the walls, and there's 12 colors. Now, how many tribes of Israel were there? Twelve. So, and, and guess what? There were 12 stones. What, what did they do when they crossed over the Jordan? They took up how many stones? Twelve stones. How many stones were in the breastplate of the high priest? 
See, this pattern is all the way through the Bible. This pattern of 12 and even of 12 stones. And those 12 stones and the high priest all had a different color, much like the walls of the city. Well, in one place, and I don't have it in front of me, but you can search it out and see, the Lord calls Judah, or the people of Judah, His royal diadem. His crown. And guess what's on the crown? Stones. So when you look at those stones going around that city, what I was looking at is, is that's the people of God. I'd go to Zechariah, and Zechariah tells you that, that, that Jerusalem is filled with so many multitudes, it doesn't need a wall. And it says that God is the wall thereof. So I, so I could read in different places and say, well, one place says it's got this great big wall. Another place over here says it doesn't need a wall. Another place in Isaiah calls it a wall of salvation. So, so I have to come to the Lord and say, well, Lord, here's, here's one place speed of the wall. Here's one place saying you're a wall. Here's another place saying it's a wall of salvation. What's the truth? And, and the truth of it is all of it is. It's just what God is saying. It's understanding by the Spirit what God is saying. That's really what it is. So, so I, I don't know how long I've been. Uh, if I can find it real quick, I'll just read you this one scripture here in Zechariah. Zechariah 2. Yeah. says. Well, verse 5 says, For I said Jehovah, Zechariah 2, verse 5, For I said Jehovah will be unto her a wall of fire round about, and I will be the glory in the midst of her. Verse 4, actually, where it just started, says, And said unto, me, unto him, Run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as villages without walls, by reason of the multitude of men and cattle therein. And see, the wall in the Old Testament represented, they had a walled city protection. And so the Lord is saying, I'm going to be your wall. I'm your protection. I'm the wall of this city. And he goes on to say that, that he was a wall and a fire. So I'm your protection. I'm your wall. And so, so if you have fire, light going off, and you've got all these colors, what do you have? And Isaiah says, he's speaking of people, says, they shall shine forth. So they're shining. And I'm sure, folks, and, and again, I'm just going to put this out here so you think how much you want to look at. You're shining forth because the Lord God is in you, but I guarantee you every one of those colors have a meaning. Guarantee you that. Just like every name of the tribes of Israel, like Judah means what? Praise. Well, you know that? Judah is praise. So, so as we look at Mount Zion, 
We don't enter Mount Zion with the bull and a lamb because we enter in to sacrifice the Lord. But I will enter His courts, what? With thanksgiving in my mouth. I will enter His courts with thanksgiving. I will enter, what's the next part? With praise. So we come in with a heart, and in Zion, that was very much what was there with David, was a heart of praise, a heart of thanksgiving, a place of glorifying the Lord, a people that glorify the Lord. I'll enter his gates, not Dave, uh, Bob said it right, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my mouth, I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord hath made. Right? So, so that's how we enter into the realm of the presence of the Lord. The presence that's already in you. See, not the presence that you're, you're going to someday attain to if you've received Christ Jesus the Lord. So walk in Him. But I want to enter into the fullness of it. Anyway. So, this morning, any questions, any comments? I know I got out there a little bit. Like I said, some of this I'm searching out. I'm not telling you I'm concrete 